This is Oliver Marty, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley and he scores. What a goal from Josh Byrne. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside wrap. Oh, scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today we have Oliver Marty, All-American at Brown University, former pro with New York Saints, PLL and Epic Investor, and the newest owner in the NLL. Oliver, first off, welcome to the show and congrats on acquiring an NLL team. Uh, how do you think the big announcement went this week? Uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, a pleasure to be on the show. Love what you guys are doing. Um, uh, it was, uh, I thought it went re- uh, very well. President George Manius really put on a, a great group. We had, uh, I don't think you could have seen it in the uh, video that was there, but there was about 10 cameras, ESPN, all the different groups were there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, some of the younger youth lacrosse uh, groups. We had the, the cheerleaders. We had a lot of people uh, from the community and the town. And, and of course, the uh, executive councilmen and, and uh, the uh, arena uh, folks from the arena. So it was, it was excellent turnout. And uh, it really it kind of validates what we've seen uh, from our visits to Albany and our discussions that they're really behind it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. We're certainly excited to dive in a little bit more with that. Uh, we want to go into your playing career a little bit, though, too, to start. Um, so we know you grew up in Richmond, British Columbia, where you played hockey and lacrosse. Which sport did you play first, and who introduced you to lacrosse eventually? Uh, yeah, try and keep it quick. I, I mean, my, <laughs> I don't want to sound uh, stereotypical, but I, I wanted to play pro hockey. It was my mm-hmm. first love. And uh, in Canada, it's, it's really kind of winter sport. And then in the summer, you you do whatever. And and for me, it was to play lacrosse to keep in shape for hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you had a lot of the, those players. And you've seen that throughout history. Joey Neuendijk, even Wayne Gretzky and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to be a kind of a typical pattern. Uh, I uh, had a, uh, a scout from Cornell come out to uh, watch uh, one of my junior games in hockey. And uh, he gave me the, the good news and the bad news. Uh, he said he doesn't think I'd make their squad uh, on the hockey team. Uh, but that his coach, and at the time, uh, Richie Moran, uh, had seen some of my uh, tape and had heard about me and was interested. And that kind of started the process of mm-hmm. me uh, starting to put the skates to the side and, and thinking uh, lacrosse uh, was a, was an avenue for me. That's great. Well, and and yeah, you didn't end up at Cornell, but you did end up at another Ivy League yeah, university, right. obviously, and, and Brown. You, you played with guys like Andy Towers and, and got coached by guys like Dom Stardia. You had an awesome career uh, at Brown, setting the, the single uh, game record for, for postseason play in goals. Talk about kind of what led you to Brown. Well, yeah, I definitely, there was a number of schools I was looking at. Cornell was definitely one of them. And, and ultimately, I, I chose Brown because of, uh, to be honest, Dom. Uh, and, uh, you know, two main reasons, Dom and, uh, the school, the size of the school and kind of, a, kind of a, it's about 5,000 people mm-hmm. plus or minus. So it was a it was right size for me. Uh, and, um, when you looked at the, uh, personnel on the roster, uh, they were all still kind of sophomores and juniors. And so I felt that there was a good program there to build on and, and that I would be a part of that, uh, that growth. 
Uh, and, and so those are a lot of the main reasons, but a big part of it was having a, you know, travel 3000 miles away from home. Again, this was a time there's no social media. You gotta, you gotta, you know, call collect if you want, you know, it's your phone bill goes up. If you call that, that, those were the days. And, um, uh, you have to have a lot of trust in, in the people that you were, you were going to be living with for the next, you know, in my case, three years. And, and so, uh, I had a lot of faith that, uh, uh, Dom would, uh, you know, uh, help, uh, help me with that transition and, and, uh, and true to his word, he did. No, that's awesome. And, you know, after your stellar career at Brown, you played on the Canadian men's national team alongside some Canadian greats like the Gate brothers, Tom Marichek and John Tavares. Uh, you were also named MVP of the bronze medal game against England in the 1994 World Lacrosse Championship in Manchester, England. Uh, talk about that experience playing for Canada. You know, it was a special experience. And, and in addition to some of the guys you mentioned, there was some all-time favorites. Uh, Kevin Alexander was on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Marichuk's brother, Billy Backhander Marichuk, who was, <laughs> was on the team. We had a lot of great, great players. Um, you also had Steve, Steve Govett, who's now the uh, general manager with the with the seals we had a really strong a really strong team we played in the semifinals against uh, australia and uh we just things didn't click we lost by a goal and and it was unfortunate i think we were all a little bit disappointed to 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 take the bronze we want we really wanted to see the u.s uh, u.s had a powerful team salicasio and ned you had mark millen you had uh, uh joe bresci and of course dave petromala and you know, we, we, that's kind of what we would have really liked to have seen. And, and unfortunately it didn't, it didn't work out um, the way we would have liked, but it was a phenomenal experience in Manchester. And uh, um, it was nice to see over the next uh, few tournaments, uh, Canada actually uh, won, uh, uh, won a gold medal and, and, and uh, came very close a couple other times. I think you're seeing a, a much better parity now between the U S and Canada in field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you talked about that experience. Let's talk about your experience a little bit in the MILL with the New York Saints. Talk about that foray in, in pro lacrosse. Uh, you know, I, I was really excited about playing uh, in the uh, in the Coliseum. Uh, what a such a great team. Uh, again, actually, Sal Acasio was our yep. goalie. Steve Kisslinger playing. Uh, Mark Nolan was on our team. You know, of course, Pat McCabe, uh, Gordy Port, uh, Purdy was on our team as well. Just a, a really a great group of, of people um, um, and, and uh, Matt Panetta, et cetera. Uh, it, I think it was the early days really, uh, to be honest, that in the transition, it was the time when uh, actually more Amer- Americans were, were on the teams. I think you were only allowed uh, three Canadians. I, I was one of the only ones. It was actually a tough, a tough uh, period because I was also working, uh, you know, a, a job in investment banking on sure. Wall Street and, and it was very demanding. And so it was tough to, to really hold both of those. And, and again, this is a professional lacrosse and to play at that level, it required a, a, a time commitment or what have you. And so uh, I enjoyed playing. I wasn't able to really do what I would have liked to have done uh, at the time. Uh, I, I think uh, most players were making a couple hundred bucks a game. So it made it difficult to, uh, to continue a career there when there was these other opportunities that uh, w- were in front of me. Uh, I missed that. Uh, I, you know, I would have loved to have, have continued to play and, and, and play at the highest level, but what a great group of guys. Uh, I, I missed that. And, um, and, uh, but I'm fired up to see a lot of these guys continue to be involved and, and, and how the uh, MILL and now the NLL has really uh, trans, uh, transformed. Yeah, no, even though you, you feel like you maybe not ha- had a great a chance to, to live out your pro career, you're kind of helping, you know, the next generation of pro players 
Um, you mentioned the investment side of things. You're an investor in the PLL. Obviously, now you have the NLL team um, and also you know, a key investor in Epic as well. Talk about investing in these lacrosse companies um, and really growing you know, the sport. I, I really see lacrosse uh, at a crossroad uh, for the better. Uh, you, know, you, you hear the proverbial hockey stick. Um, I was reminded recently that soccer back in the 90s, there was a, you know, roughly a million people that played soccer in the U.S., plus or minus, and um, you had the World Cup a couple of years later, and, and, and really that started to blossom, and I think now today, 10 million or more people are playing soccer. I, I see lacrosse kind of at that cusp. I don't think lacrosse is as, as international as soccer, but um, I, I think the, the uh, wheels have been put in motion uh, to really bring uh, the sport to the next level. And uh, it has a lot to do, obviously, with what the PLL has, has been doing and really providing uh, a, a product that moves to the next level. I thought the MLL did a great job in establishing, you know, a pro league. I, I think the PLL just took it to the next level in terms of better product for both players by attracting them with, with uh, higher wages and healthcare insurance and options and things of that nature. And then, of course, partnering with NBC, which have just put together some phenomenal uh, presentations. I think that's very important. When you, when you watch the professional uh, leagues, NFL, NHL, et cetera, the production is critical. And I, and I really do think that the uh, PLL and their distribution and what they put together, Mike Grabel and, and Paul uh, and the whole team there, has really taken it to the next level. It's, it's brought in a whole new audience, both, you know, endemic and, and non-endemic. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's critical to growing the sport. Um, you know, obviously, as an investor, I'm privy to some of the numbers. And we've just seen continued growth in, in all the metrics that are necessary, even uh, with a uh, championship bubble series this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that then, you know, really forays into the next level, which is many of these athletes um, play both box and, and field. And um, the NLL at the same time with the uh, new commissioner, uh, um, uh, Nick Sakevich coming in a number of years ago, you've, you've really seen that league move to the next level of professionalism as well. Um, and that has then been fostered, uh, you know, into better ownership, stronger ownership. Um, and then, of course, with the hiring of Deputy Commissioner Jessica Berman from the NHL to, you know, again, make mm-hmm. that next step up. And so uh, I really see a, a, a new era here, uh, prob- you know, really leading up to the Olympics in, in 2028 in, in Los Angeles, assuming the provisional uh, uh, acceptance is, is pushed forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you guys are probably well aware, it's a, it's a hybrid kind of field box uh, format that, that mm-hmm. they have. Um, and, and I see with, the, um, with, the, with that growth and acceleration in the pro league, I also see the grassroots developing, driven heavily by the PLL, the NLL, and a lot of companies such as U.S. Boxla uh, and the various individuals that have been helping give back to grow the game. And, 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 uh, and, and of course, uh, with, with all that, you need to give the, the players the best equipment possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epic's, uh, uh, you know, just a... The innovation that, that we have at, at the company and, and led by James Maselli is, has been phenomenal. Um, I mean, we really try and make just the best equipment. And, and I think, you know, having some of the, the best athletes in the world, uh, you know, as Epic athletes and utilizing them to develop some of this best equipment um, is all part of this, you know, driving the game forward. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm excited that, uh, you know, most recently uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, uh, put a group together uh, to uh, to acquire uh, the New England Black Black Wolves, 
what a phenomenal uh, uh, program and, and, and organization they, uh, they are and what they put together. And hopefully we can replicate the same in, in Albany. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit uh, about that purchase and the move to Albany. What what about Albany really enticed you? You, you mentioned uh, with uh, your interview with Nick Sakevich that uh, it's a growing market. So talk a little bit more about why Albany. You know, it's really all about the love. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. we felt love there. It, it, you know, uh, lacrosse is it's becoming a hotbed. You know, I, I live mm-hmm. in Connecticut right now. Um, when I first went to Brown, you know, all I heard about was long island and baltimore right mm-hmm. there are the hotbeds and it was really baltimore and there was you know um you know connecticut now is a hotbed and and, and you know i feel the same way about albany uh, scott marr and 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 uh, what you albany have done um along with some of the other universities in that in that area um it's there's a lot of lacrosse going on there they love it and and again a lot of those those athletes um have uh, have gone on not to just be great in the pro leagues uh, in field, but also in box. And, and these aren't just good players. They're the best. So, you know, Blaze Reardon, uh, obviously Lyle Thompson, um, Miles, uh, um, Connor Fields, phenomenal. Uh, Joe Reseteris. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. Corey Small. I mean, these guys are all some of the top uh, players in, in the world. And I think a lot of that has to do with both field and, and their ability and, you know, to, to have playing both box and field. And so, um, you know, Albany is really becoming a, a, an area that is, is a hotbed for lacrosse. Great indigenous population there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the creator's game and, and, uh, and the love for the sport. Uh, the, the town is just very accepting. They really want to see this succeed. They want to give the, the, the community a, a great team. Uh, I think they really recognized where the, the NLL is. Uh, it really is. It is vying for that kind of fourth, fifth spot, that fifth spot or so in, in the pro ranks of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and working with the arena, they, they, it, it was all about figuring out a great partnership to, to give people a product that they love to help grow the game in the community. And, and, and Albany really kind of put it all together. We had looked at a couple other venues, uh, and they were great venues, uh, great people. Um, but, but ultimately Albany, you know, put the whole package together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, uh, George Manius, uh, who had uh, helped the football team there, the Albany Empire, uh, you know, uh, win a championship um, because of COVID and because that team uh, ran into, you know, some unfortunate issues on, on the uh, um, liability side. Uh, he was available and uh, he heard our story and he, he, he was all in. Um, he did his due diligence and, uh, and he shares that vision of where the NLL is going. And so very excited to have him on board. And, you know, you put all those things together, it became an easy decision. No, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned some great Albany players, one in particular, Joe Reseteris, who's on this Black Wolves team that you're acquiring. Uh, thoughts on the current roster? I mean, obviously, they were the top team in the league before COVID shut everything down. Um, and then, you know, coach and GM Glenn Clark has done wonders for this team as well over the couple of years. Talk about, you know, your excitement with this roster and this coaching staff. I, I can't say enough about it. Um, as I said, my hat's off to uh, to New England and, and the Mohegan and, and helping really build that product. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the guys that came over from uh, the Philadelphia Wings, uh, Mike French and, and Brad Brewster and, and Ted Goldthorpe, they, they really know what it's, they, they knew what it's like to create a winning culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and they helped put that in place. And, and, uh, I'd be on, I've I've had a chance to watch these guys over the years, got a chance to know Glenn, Uh, you know, he commands a room, I think he's a phenomenal leader. uh, And he's really, 
you know, really put together a, a championship team. And, and that takes time. Uh, you know, you, you don't, you can't just get that right away. You can, you know, as, as, as any uh, team or, or, or coach will tell you, you can't just take the best players and, and put them together and win a championship. You have to have chemistry. You have to have culture. You have to have buy-in. Um, and, uh, and, and I think starting with the leadership and the captains there, uh, they've really done that. And uh, so I think we're very fortunate. We're going to have some very strong competitors. Um, you know, of course, uh, uh, a great face-off guy, also in the PLL, right? That helps. Um, and, and so we're excited that, that, uh, you know, day one, we, we can, um, put a, a championship team on the field to, to really compete. And, and, you know, our job as owners is, you know, provide them with what they need to be successful. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, while we know, we know the city, we don't know, uh, the name yet. So let's kind of, I know you can't give too much information and, and it's going to be some kind of contest, but obviously we, there was a team in Albany before the Albany attack. A lot of people love the black wolves uh, name as well, but talk, talk to us about your thoughts uh, about the potential team name. We get myself in trouble here. Um, <laughs> first off, I love the new England black wolves name. I, I love the, uh, the, the symbol, uh, the mm-hmm. logo. Uh, I love what they represent. Um, and, and, you know, so that the, I love the colors. So that's definitely in contention. Um, the Albany attack, obviously, uh, uh, you know, have history there and, and, uh, I love their logo and what have you. Um, the uh, the ownership has uh, um, uh, some ideas and mm-hmm. and we're getting just tremendous feedback. Uh, we do love the the uh, the and, and respect kind of the area of Albany and and want to be uh, really part of what that community wants. Um, sure. And and uh, you know again it's their team. That's what, you know really what we want to create here. And so it's going to be a tough decision. There's a lot of there's a lot of great names. Uh, that have been thrown out there. Um, what we're going to end up doing is is taking this list of names, kind of narrowing it down to the top, you know, five or six names, sending it back out and saying, you know, help us choose. And then, uh, you know, from there, obviously uh, try and finalize a name and, and you know, give uh, some season tickets out and, and, some, and some merch and everything else to the person that can really help, you know, get this team. It's, 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 uh, it's zing or it's, you know, like the thing that's going to really make it special that, that I think all great teams have. And so it's important to us, uh, the color scheme and all those things. And um, like I said, making it really Albany's uh, and the capital regions uh, team is, is really important to us. So again, we, we're going to really let the community have uh, have a significant say in, in, in what that is. You know, we're certainly excited to see whatever name it is. And I think it's great too, that you're kind of giving the fans um, power because they're already going to have an immediate attachment to a name that they had, you know, yeah. input and choosing. So I think that's great. I love when, the, you know, leagues and uh, teams do that. Well, we had, uh, I played with, you know, the Saints, of course. And of course, mm-hmm. when the, the Saints came back, uh, New York came back, it was a riptide. You know, there's definitely, a, you know, a sense there of a, a you know, new beginning. And, and you got to do it in a way that appreciates the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the guys I played with on the Salmon Bellies in New Westminster said, why don't we use the Salmon Bellies? I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> but uh, that'd be cool. No, absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into our five and five segment. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. So welcome back. We're going to dive into our five and five. I will ask the five lacrosse questions. And to start, I'm going to ask you about your playing days. What were some of your pregame superstitions or routines before you took the field? No, the number one, the number one thing I, I did uh, pretty consistently before every game is, is, uh, is I stood at midline and, and I watched the other goalie. Uh, I, I looked at what, what hand is he held the stick in and, kind of where he he uh moved and and how quick he moved down and you know it's it's as as his own teammates were warming him up I I learned his tendencies uh mm-hmm. again it wasn't a day where you had a lot of tape you know we you, they didn't have you know the ACC network and mm-hmm. you know they didn't film these things and so you didn't have a lot of time to to see them you got some scouting reports but I always spent a lot of time uh watching the goalies before the games and and getting a sense of their rhythm and and how they reacted did they did they bite on the first fake, the second fake, and, and what have you? So that was probably the, the the thing that I was most consistent about. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at during your career? It can be any stage of your career. Well, you know, I, I, I assume you're talking field. I mean, I, I'd be honest. I, I, I grew up uh, playing in British Columbia. Um, I have a strong affinity for, for where I played most of my lacrosse in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little arena called Minaru, maybe sat a thousand people. And, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was just probably where I have the fondest memories. I love playing in Queens park with salmon, with the salmon bellies. It was a, it was a wood floor, had a nice bounce to it. Um, and, uh, and so those were probably, you know, the, 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 uh, fields I remember the most and, and, and love the most. Um, and, uh, you know, special memories for a number of field, uh, field uh, in, in the NCAA. But if I had to think about the memories, it would be in the box game. No, I love that. And then going off of that, who's a teammate or a mentor that you kind of leaned on during your career? Well, you know, I, I think um, uh, Darren Lowe uh, really, um, he was charged, I would say, uh, from Dom to, to help me. I, I'd never played field lacrosse. Uh, when I went to Brown, honestly, I had, I had no idea about field lacrosse. Um, and um, it was an eye opener. Um, it is a big difference uh, when you when you have a, a six foot pole checking you mm-hmm. um, and, and a little less physicality. I, I, there's a lot more motion, a little less physicality. I, I'm used to a tight area, um, shorter sticks, contact and, and, and quick release and, and shooting and um, so it was, it was, it was, I had to get used to that. And, uh, you know, Brown played within a system. Uh, we had a lot of sets, a lot of different plays. 
uh, and uh, timing and being in the right place at the right time was important. Um, I, I really, I tried to develop a right hand and, you know, I, I was may, I maybe was a, was a three out of a scale, you know, one to 10 in, in you know, so I, I mostly kept it in my left hand and I just adapted and uh, I was used to throwing up behind my back and, and, you know, shoveling and what have you. And um, so, so Darren really, uh, you know, guided me, helped me put a lot of time into that. And I, I think we ended up uh, having really good chemistry and, and played well together. I think um, uh, it was, it was part of my success for sure is, is, is having Darren help me with, uh, with that, but I had a great group of guys, the defensemen, uh, the, the folks that, uh, you know, played against me or, or, or played me on defense were always giving me, you know, advice and help. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it was important because I think without that, uh, I would have struggled, uh, more again, we didn't have tape or film in those days to really go back and watch. So I relied heavily on, on the players and, and again, it was a big reason why I had mentioned to you uh, that trust in going to Brown. I, I, I needed somebody and a, and a group that would give me some time and believe in me that, you know, I would put in the time and effort to get there. Uh, but I, but I needed some of the basics and, and understanding and, and it turned out, it turned out pretty well. No, absolutely. And, you know, you kind of mentioned Darren helping you with the field game. You've also done a lot of training Americans in the box game with Connecticut box lacrosse league that you started. Um, talk about that. And, you know, what's one of, I guess, one of the most positive things you've seen from starting that, that league. Yeah. Well, I mean, first it, it really started with us Boxla and uh, Matt Brown and, and Shane Santos, you know, I, really just a strong love to grow the game. Um, and I reached out uh, to Shaden and, and uh, I said, Hey, I'd love to, you know, help grow the game out here on the East coast. And, and uh, he, he said, are you aware that uh, Roy Colsey, uh, Colsey has, a, has a, a, team, a U.S. box uh, program? And I said, I, it wasn't. So we connected and, and, and Roy and I hit it off right away. Mm -hmm. uh, what a special talent and, and coach Roy is. Um, and uh, I, I think we had maybe 70 kids at the time. And Roy was one of the only guys on the East Coast that had really kind of put his whole soul and heart into developing box um he was as many of you guys may know just a phenomenal player at Syracuse and mm -hmm. he, he went on to have a phenomenal career in the NLL but it didn't start easy he had never played box much like I haven't played field um and and so he had just had a great career in the NLL and and he really wanted to give that back you know to his uh, players and, and and to his kids who are you know tremendous players right now as well one of them going to Virginia um, and so we hit it off and, and over the, the next three years, we've seen that the program, uh, the superstar uh, box lacrosse program uh, grow to, you know, we, we could probably have four or 500 kids if we wanted right now. I think we were, we're kind of full at about 250. Um, and, uh, and, and there was that need to go to the next level, which is, mm -hmm. it's great for youth, but what happens after you graduate high school and, and you really need to go to that next level in Canada, obviously we play junior and, and there's mm -hmm. nothing in, in the States for that. Um, uh, Matt Brown had just launched, and Shane had launched the first uh, collegiate league in Colorado. Um, and, and I really, you know, bought into that and believe that that's what we needed. And so I started, uh, uh, the Connecticut, uh, the collegiate, uh, box lacrosse league. And these guys, um, you know, came out, uh, weren't sure what they were going to get. And, uh, and ended up uh, just loving, loving playing in the league. We, you know, we had some great coaches, uh, Andy Towers, 
uh, was one of our coaches, Jamie Hanford, uh, one of our coaches, uh, Mike Regan, uh, another Canadian, uh, Andrew Kirkaldi, uh, and then uh, Mac O'Keefe's dad, Brian O'Keefe, who I played with. Uh, you know, so we had a great group of, of coaches uh, and a great group of players. And, 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 you know, I reached out to these guys during the year uh, to say, hey, did it help you? And, and, and they all resoundingly, absolutely. Everything kind of felt a little slower, you know, they, mm-hmm. because the pace of, of box up and down, up and down. Um, you know, just some great players, Will Perry at, at North Carolina, um, Evan Zinn at, at Hopkins, uh, John Fox and Xander Dixon at UVA, um, you know, Mac O'Keefe got out for a couple of games, mm-hmm. uh, played for his pops, of course. Um, you had um, uh, Timmy Lay at, uh, at, you know, from Boston. Um, it just, just a great group of, of players that, you know, for the first time had a really opportunity to play a really organized, proper box lacrosse. And, mm-hmm. um, and so just resounding uh, this year, uh, hoping we have a year uh, for 2020, it was canceled. Um, there is likely to be five states now competing, um, uh, Ohio, Colorado, Connecticut, upstate New York, and, and California may join as well. So uh, it's really growing and it gives these kids an opportunity uh, after not just, you know, uh, playing high, up to high school, but then during the summers after they pl- they're finished their field season, great way to keep their sticks sharp and, and, uh, and, and compete at a very high level. No, absolutely. We, you know, really enjoy seeing how the game is growing so much in the U.S. Uh, my final question for you, number five, kind of goes back to your playing days, but who was the toughest matchup that you faced during your playing career? You know, I, I guess I'd have to say, you know, it's really two, two teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, first was Loyola. We just always had phenomenal matches against them. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, uh, it was special whether we played them at Brown or we played them down there. Um, it probably sticks out more in my head because we ended up, you know, I think beating them all three years, but mm-hmm. it, it was always, it was always a game that we really got up for, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other uh, rivalry was Princeton. Uh, obviously Ivy league was always, you know, hotly contested. And, and this is when Bill Tierney was really, you know, building that program. Uh, we had Darren Lowe, they had Kevin Lowe, who was just mm-hmm. as talented uh, Justin Torlani, uh, they had Dave Morrow on defense. Uh, and of course they had Scott Batchgaloop in net who, you know, one of the greatest of all times. Um, it, it just, it was a great matchup. We always had very tight games. We won an Ivy title. They won an Ivy title, you know, kind of back and forth. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was exciting to always play those guys, just high level competition. And, you know, again, some of the best in the country, I think, you know, when I was at Brown, we were always uh, top five in the country and, and, and it was great to really push ourselves and, um, and, and play against those best teams. And so Loyola and Princeton tended for me to be these, these matches every year that, that uh, we really look forward to. Uh, and then uh, five quick off the field questions. So you're clearly a, a busy man, even more busy now with, with the, the Albany NLL squad, but maybe some uh, talk about some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not on, uh, on the field or on the sidelines. You know, I, I, I right now it's, uh, a lot of youth lacrosse I, uh, in my community, uh, helping out uh, um, in New Canaan, Connecticut, and, and, mm-hmm. and helping that program and, and grow. They've got a great group of folks. Uh, Chip Buzio uh, has done a phenomenal job with the program and, and growing that both from the youth level and, and the high school. Uh, and of course, I love hockey. I don't get to play as much as, as I used to. And, and then I love spending time with my kids. Um, 
uh, just a fun age and, and uh, we love hanging out and, and uh, doing family things together. So that's great. Pretty, pretty boring, uh, but I like it. No, that, that, that sounds like a good time, no matter what. That's fantastic. Uh, number two, you mentioned hockey. I'm curious if that, that'll be your answer, but favorite current non-lacrosse professional athlete to watch? You know, Connor McDavid, yeah, yep. it is a hot, I mean, he's just so special. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, there's some guys that just, you know, they're just, they just, it doesn't matter uh, what level they, they're just, they create, uh, they have such vision and um, great leaders, you know, so, you know, Connor McDavid, hockey, of course, but um, very impressive individual young man and, and probably one of the best hockey players I've ever seen play. Um, so effortless for him. It's amazing. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, number three, favorite vacation spot. Well, you know, again, I go back to the memories when I was younger. It's uh, yeah, we used to always go to Canada. I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and excuse me, the Hawaii and Vancouver uh, to Hawaii was you know maybe four hour uh, flight. Uh, my father worked for the airlines, and so uh, every uh, every summer we'd head out to uh, or every winter we'd head out to uh, Hawaii and. You know, a lot of fond memories there. Uh, a new favorite starting uh, is, is Turks and Caicos. Used to spend too much time in Disney. That's gone now. Love Disney, but it's, it's over. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, new favorite on the, on the East Coast is Turks. All right. Awesome. And you mentioned your dad. That's perfect segue to my, my next question. We, we heard your dad was on the Canadian uh, culinary uh, Olympic team. So we're curious about your, your cooking chops. Do you, do you enjoy cooking or do you prefer to uh, take out and favorite meal? Uh, my father's very disappointed. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I used this example today. Uh, actually, I was talking to, you know, uh, somebody and, um, you know, it's like your dad being Wayne Gretzky and, and you don't want to play hockey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, he's phenomenal. I was very spoiled growing up. Um, you know, we had a family restaurant. Um, I, I, I do know how to cook and, and I, I'm, I'm okay at it. You know, I, I can get by. It's just, um, you know, I think I like eating more than I do cooking. And, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, uh, um, yeah, you know, for, for me, my wife does a great job. My daughter loves cooking. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we have a number of different, uh, places, uh, that we order from nothing, nothing, uh, specific. We love tacos. We love, uh, there's a great restaurant in town, tequila mockingbird, which we go to. It's oh, awesome. Great. And have great margaritas. There we go. Fantastic. And my last, uh, off the field question, you know, with, with the pandemic, a lot of us have been, been cooped up inside. So we've been doing a lot of binging or so any podcast books or, or TV shows you, you'd like to recommend to the, our audience. Yeah, no, we went a different way. We, we got a dog. Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all my time has been, has been, has been with that, that, that dog, uh, um, Oof. Uh, it's, it's again, like having a, a newborn, uh, sure. it, it takes a, a full commitment. So that's taken up a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of money, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, what a sweet dog. And, um, and that's kind of been our, our, uh, special activity, if you will, during the, during this crazy time. I like to always end on one final question and that's what is some advice you have for a young player looking to play lacrosse professionally? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a loaded question. Hutton. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I ultimately it always gets back to the same thing for me. And, and I, and I think when, when you're younger, you, you maybe don't appreciate it as much. Um, but it's just love, love what you're doing. I, I think there's too much pressure on kids today. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't think that's healthy. I think kids want to go out and they want to enjoy being with their friends and enjoy, uh, competing and pushing themselves. Um, 
I, I think coaching needs to uh, move to a different level. I think there's too many coaches that are um, uh, not as forgiving as maybe they should be in pushing their kids. Kids need encouragement. They can become great players without, you know, beating them up and, you know, mm -hmm. sitting them on the bench and, and all those different things. And, um, you know, I want kids, whatever sport it is, is, is to enjoy what they're doing. And they'll know if they want to do it. If they want to get, if they get up in the morning, they want to put a stick in their hand or they they want to, you know, put a glove on or throw a football, they'll, they'll know what they, what they'd love. And, um, you know, so it, it would really be to, to trust your feeling in, in what you love and don't worry so much about, um, you know, this guy being better than me, or I didn't make that team or not. I, I knew growing up, um, you know, sometimes I, I didn't always make the, you know, the bet, the top team or whatever else. And, you know, for me, I was the kind that it fueled me to, to work harder and get better. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. It may be that there's something else that, that you enjoy doing. So, uh, you know, my advice is, is, is really love what you're doing. It's easier said than done, uh, especially when you're young, you don't know what you love and, and, mm -hmm. and what you don't, but, you know, maybe more to the parents out there to, to really allow your kids to, to have the freedom to do what they like and, and to be happy with that uh, and push them at the right time when, when, when they, when, when you can feel that they need pushing um, you know, it's tough right now, especially during COVID for a lot of these kids. So, you know, that would, that would probably be my, my advice. No, I love that, you know, keeping it positive and encouraging kids, not, you know, always, you know, focusing on the negatives, focusing on the positives. Um, that's great. Um, we've been really enjoying this episode. We really appreciate you coming on Oliver again, congratulations on acquiring a new NLL team. Um, we look forward to hearing what the, the new name and new logo is going to be. Um, uh, but again, best of luck heading into this upcoming NLL season. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Duke Cannon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.